Hi, I'm Megan. I'm Colin, and this is Pet Sitter Sitter Confessional. Confessional. An open and honest discussion about life as a pet sitter. Brought to you by Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International. The tools any professional decides to use in their business speaks volumes about them. And leads, leashes, and the tools that we use in dog walking and pet sitting are no different. Today, we're really excited to have Taylor Leadall, owner of Tiny Horse Mercantile, to discuss all about the ins and outs of leads and leashes, how it can help lessen the strain on our bodies and improve the communication between us and the dogs that we're caring for. There's a lot to cover here. Let's get started. Thanks for having me, Colin. I'm very excited to talk about Tiny Horse. I started walking dogs in 2017, and within just a few months of walking dogs, I was finding a lot of pain and strain on my wrists and thumbs, making it very difficult to uh, uh, spend time on my smartphone scrolling. Uh, And so... I decided to utilize some of my background in sewing and design to come up with something that would put less pressure on my body while managing multiple dogs. So uh, after a few prototypes, I came up with essentially what is now, you can find on my website, the Lead All Leash system. And I tried that out and it almost immediately started to reduce the pain in my hands and wrists. And I made it just for myself at first, but quickly there were other dog walkers in the park that I was walking in and the asking, what is this thing that you're using? Where do I get it? And so that's when it kind of became a business. Got to ask about your name, Tiny Horse, and Mm -hmm. where that name came from for your business. Yeah, so... Uh, it's kind of two things, I suppose. The first is that um, I have a tiny little pocket beagle. She's wicked fast. And when she's running, you know, chasing after squirrels, she never catches. <laughs> um, oh. She looks like a tiny horse running. Um, so it's a little bit named after my dog, Abigail Potato. Um, and, and that movement, that tiny horse, that fast swiftness that she has. But also there are actually, um, I'd have to look at exactly which uh, geological epoch it is. But I think in the Pleistocene, horses as we know them were actually dog-sized. Tiny, tiny little prehistoric horses are just like tiny. (laughs) And... I, if you if you don't know about it, whoever's listening, definitely Google it. You will enjoy seeing these tiny, tiny little horses. It's a real thing. So, oh, that's adorable. <laughs> no, I didn't. I didn't know about that either. Yeah, so. <laughs> they also didn't have hooves. They had three toes. So I don't know. Interesting. I, I like evolution. Yeah. So. <laughs> <laughs> cool connection that you have to both your dog and this interesting period of time where they were, you know, a little bit more similar size and uh, maybe a little bit more manageable with the systems that you're developing. Too, so. Yeah. <laughs> What's the philosophy behind the, the lead all leash system? So the idea is to remove the strain off the dog walker or the dog handler um, and kind of move the the micro macro pulls and tugs down further down the down the line of things so the system is uh, short leashes that are adjustable in length from two to three feet one end of it connects to the dog and with a clip the other end connects to a central ring so you can i say it's good to have like six or fewer on the ring um, once you have all the dogs connected to the ring, they sort of radiate out of it, kind of like a, a spoke. Um, mm. And then the dog handler will clip in their lead to that ring and guide the dogs. So all the little sort of movements between dogs become shared between the pack. And the dog handler is only ever dealing with the sort of extremity, the extreme um, the, or the periphery, well, let's call it the periphery of that pulling. So the dog who's pulling the most, the dog handler needs to hold back on that. Then the dogs that aren't pulling will have slack in their leash. So I'm only ever really dealing with the 
the periphery of pull. And hopefully, I meaning as you get to train your dogs, they'll walk nicely beside you and no one's pulling at all. <laughs> or having to drag but, them. <laughs> we know that happens too. <laughs> yeah. Well, it kind of <laughs> takes the shift and changes it, changes it from the idea of the walker being at the end of the leash and kind of and being pulled along with the dogs in front of you and makes you a part of the group walk. And you're all kind of sharing and pulling forces and going back and forth on each other. Yeah, absolutely. I think that the dogs become more aware of one another. They become more aware of the fact that they're in a pack. I've had a lot of dog walkers. Um, what I'm thinking of one in particular um, who had been walking dogs for about 20 years. She's a single mother and she raised her whole family walking dogs. Ton of experience. And a few years back, she decided to try out my system. And she said she just loved the look on the dogs' faces when she uh, clipped them all to the ring for the first time. They were so surprised. <laughs> they didn't know what was going on. And she said she could not stop laughing at them. Um, but like, you know, in a <laughs> sweet way as the, she loves them. Um, yeah. And uh, yeah, she continues to use the system today. So I but that's uh it is a very different experience sometimes you have to kind of like retrain your dogs over again because it is so different yeah well but it's because they they there's a lot more communication as you mentioned there like going on between not just the dogs and you but the dogs that are in the group because they are all as one moves one way it's pulling dogs one way they're kind of having to balance that out as they move and as they're walking so i can definitely imagine that'd be an adjustment period and a new training period for both you and the dogs that you're walking mm-hmm. exactly yeah it's um it's i find it as sort of like a embodiment of a more realistic portrait uh, and a more realistic physical experience of what's going on um, than just having six individual leashes, say you're walking six dogs and um, holding all those leashes. So yeah, it's um, a bit more of a holistic approach, I would say. So it sounds like you do predominantly group walks and pack walks. Um, is that something you've always done? Um, and how do you manage those? Yeah, so I came into dog walking from no professional dog experience. Previously, I'd worked in arts administration and um, entomology. And so walking multiple dogs was a... Um, a terrifying experience at first. Um, I, you know, had about like a couple of weeks training with somebody and then I was handed the quote unquote reins and uh, letting them all off leash for the first time or walking them on leash. All of that was very difficult and chaotic mm. and uh, definitely brought up my heart rate. So, um, <sighs> I'm much more comfortable with it now, obviously. Um, I find that it's really important to sort of individually know your dogs. I'm in a good position where I get to walk the exact same dogs every day. So um, mm. we know each other as a pack. I know what to expect from each dog. I certainly treat each dog differently with my leashes. Um, something that I would do would be a dog that is maybe more senior or very good on leash. Um, I will extend the length of their leash to as long as it goes and kind of give them space for dogs that are a little bit more excitable, like puppies or younger dogs, or even dogs who pull quite a bit. I adjust the leash to a much shorter length. So um, when I'm pulling back on dogs, they're the ones that feel that first, whereas the dogs who are better on leash, um, a better behaved, they don't really feel much of that at all. Um, so that's kind of how I manage that on leash, but once they're all off leash, um, and fortunately I am at a point where all of my dogs, once I reach my sort of off leash destination can be all off leash. Um, again, <laughs> it's just a matter of, you know, I, I check in with the dogs quite often, every few minutes, I kind of say everybody's name, make sure I know where everyone is always have treats on hands, do like check-ins. Um, the dogs will just walk beside me because they just are a little bit more interested in the sort of saunter, whereas the younger dogs might be finding other dogs to play or chasing each other at top speeds through sort of forest area that I walk them in. 
So it's really, the dogs are so individual and I think you really have to respect yeah. that. Um, and even when it comes to using the tiny horse gear, um, our, my gear is very versatile in terms of like the different types I have, the way the different pieces can be adjusted or utilized. Um, it's certainly a reflection of the the wide range of characteristics that dogs have and the different ways that we need to deal with them. Well, it gets back to that idea of that of communicating with them. You know, we don't talk to all of uh, our human friends the same way. Um, why would we try and communicate with dogs the same way as well? And the using the, the lead system as an extension of that, because that, that was kind of a, another question I had for you was why pet sitters and dog walkers would con- should consider using their own leashes and, and gear. Oh, I think there's so many reasons to use your own, your own leashes. I mean, for one with tiny horse, we look at them as tools. So we work in an industry, you're doing an industry job, bring your own tools to the job. They're, um, like I've mentioned, they're quite versatile. So there's a lot more you can do with a tiny horse leash than just a regular like six foot leash. So that's going to increase your opportunity um, to respond to your dog's needs, your pack's needs. Um, again, like with the COVID stuff, being able to manage your own gear and make sure it's clean and um, that you're proceeding as hygienically as possible that is certainly an important element to be able to control. And I think to not um, bringing out leashes that are personal items of the, of your clients, they're handled very intensely by the people who use them. And I think that it's important at this stage, we no longer um, interact with those leashes uh, just to reduce the contact. And also some of those leashes are sentimental to people. They may have had that certain leash for a number of different dogs, um, for example. Um, yeah, another thing that's really great about bringing your own gear is it's an opportunity to express your business. Um, I know with Tiny Horse, we have almost 50 different colors that you can choose for leash styles. And so a lot of people are now selecting their leash colors based on their brand colors. And uh, I think that's really effective. Um, you know, I have certain customers who have come back and continue to purchase our gear in their same color. And now when I see those certain colors, I think of those companies. So, I mean, they're not even oh. aiming it at me, but I'm like, oh, Navy, like that's Parker and Co. And, um, oh, like purple is three hounds in Calgary. So yeah, it's, I think that, uh, the branding opportunity is really fantastic. And, um, Again, it's it's hard to speak to just sort of having your own gear in general, but also with um, tiny horse leashes, it's really easy to um, have your pack um, leashed up and you can kind of set the leashes behind them. And because um, the, the visual aspect of all the dogs sort of packed up um, is quote-unquote, forced upon them just based on the system. You can take really good photos of the dogs as a pack. Um, So that's a really nice social media opportunity. And uh, I think, too, having a a system that is specifically used for walking dogs, people who walk past you really notice that. They can see, oh, you're you're definitely a dog walker. Like, you have this strange contraption <laughs> that's keeping all of your dogs together. And uh, and also, you know, people will often say to me when I'm walking with my dogs, you know, oh, you've got them all under control. And, you know, even when I don't necessarily have them all under control, they look under control because they're quite close together as we walk. Um, so sure. it certainly has a look of professionalism um, versus, you know, having a clump of like a bunch of different leashes from different clients' homes. Certainly gets back to communicating and communicating your brand. I love that idea. I didn't even think of that being a possibility of but mm-hmm. taking your colors and making it your own system. Yeah. And then communicating that communicating that professionalism of this is a tool, a specialized tool that I'm using and instead of a, a ragtag conglomerate 
weird grouping of, of this leash of this brand and this leash of this band and another one and trying to make them work together, just having that system to say, okay, like, or at least a familiarity with them and upkeep and maintenance and, and all of that that goes into that and viewing it as that professional tool. Mm-hmm. I even I had some good feedback from uh, one walker in Victoria. Um, Kira from Parkside Pup said she, she's been walking with tiny horse leashes, I think maybe for around two years now. And she sent me a message once and she said, it's so nice to look back at all of my pack photos over the years and see like the nice leashes. And I'm just so glad that I don't have like piles or strings of leashes in my photos. And that for her was just like a personal satisfaction. Um, And indeed she does a nice job of her social media. So, you know, why not make all those elements professional and intentional? Have you heard about Time to Pet? Chrisanne from Raining Cats and Dogs has this to say. Becoming a Time to Pet client has been a game changer for us. We can give our pet services clients real-time, cloud-based information they never imagined they'd be interested in. And most importantly, to me personally, I can better manage my company and look forward to more. And not a small thing, Time to Pet is responsive to my request for new features and modifications to existing ones. If you are looking for new pet sitting software for your business, give Time to Pet a try. Listeners of Pet Sitter Confessional get 50% off their first three months when they sign up at timetopet.com slash confessional. What role does good gear play in, in protecting our bodies? Again, when you say good gear, I'm going to say tiny horse gear <laughs> because it's the, the gear that <laughs> sure. I use. And, um, and I only say that because that's just speaking from my experience and you know, there really are very few options right now that are actually considering the impact of managing multiple dogs on your body. So one thing that struck my attention when I first started walking dogs and was feeling this pain is I went to the internet and I Googled, you know, leashes for dog walkers and there was nothing like nothing interesting was coming up. Like maybe there were couplers Mm -hmm. at, at the best, maybe like three, leashes sewn to a ring to make like a truffler, <laughs> you want to call it. And so <laughs> I I really quickly realized that, you know, here is this booming industry um, that's bringing in like a good living for a lot of people, yet there's a real lack of tools and thinking um, around what kinds of um, gear we need to properly do this job. And I know that there are so many people out there who are experiencing pain all over their body from this. And and I really do think it's from the fact that the sort of industry or the ideas around gear haven't caught up to the industry itself. Um, single leashes are for single connections between one human and one dog, in my mind. And I think when you start to go beyond that, you really need to consider... Um, you need to consider your body because, wow, I mean, if you have, say, six large dogs, like you are, you know, controlling between three and 500 pounds of animal. I mean, that's really intense. Yeah. Um, so to think about ways to sort of disperse the physicality of that, just disperse that weight. And, and in Tiny Horse, uh, we all are sort of one, say there's seven of, seven of us, like, you know, I'm like, I'm one seventh of that whole equation. And I really shouldn't have to be more because um, it's just too much for one body. So, yeah, I think I I am excited about the idea of considering that there are tools for individual ownership and then there needs to be industry tools. And, and that's kind of where Tiny Horse is thinking and designing. And um, I do hope... That, you know, people, as they start to, you know, have two dogs in their home or three dogs in their home, they look to Tiny Horse as potential gear for just their private use as well. Right. And making sure that those tools stay up to date with the needs of people. I mean, I I think of the number of times, you know, trying to carabiner different leads together or some of these monstrosities that are these retractable leash with dual oh. ends that spin on the ends or whatever they are, whatever they oh are. Oh my goodness. I know. And it takes a full hand to hold one of those retractable leashes. I mean, I have tried it. I have, you know, at one the beginning of my career, 
taken at a retractable leash in a mitt full of other leashes and it doesn't work. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's really difficult. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, managing dogs can be really stressful. And if you can uh, reduce stress, whether that be emotional or physical, at any point in your job, you should go mm. for it. Um, you know, yeah. it's, you know, reduce stress where you can deal with what you absolutely have to deal with the dog who rolled in poop, but don't deal with like <laughs> two or three <laughs> retractable leashes in your hand because you don't need to do that. But you do have to clean that dog up before you return it home. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Absolutely. And it's it is it is part of that um, being able to focus on the task at hand and the fact that our the tools that we use allow us to do that. So it's not just the strain on our hands and our backs and our shoulders. It's the strain mentally and emotionally as you're mm -hmm. trying to pay attention to everybody's safety and things that are going on around you. And this is just one way having having the tools that you know that you control that you've put together. Having those is just one more piece to that puzzle to making sure that whenever you're going out, it's it's the you know the best walk possible that you can make it, not just for the dogs, but also for yourself. Yeah. And, and you know, funny that we're kind of talking about this because essentially what I'm trying to do is make gear that you don't really have to think about. For example, yeah. there's one piece that I have called the leader and it can be worn like as a waist belt. So you can wear it across your torso or it's double-ended. Like there's lots of things you can do with it. But for me, and I talk about this on my website, is I put that leader around my waist at the beginning of the day and I don't take it off until I get back home because it's my pickup mm. and drop-off tool. And when I'm getting in and out of my vehicle to grab dogs, I don't have to think about, oh, where's my leash? Where's my leash? Where's my leash? It's on my body. So just again, like, you know, your tools are there. I'm as the designer behind these things, I'm thinking about like, how can someone use this in the most efficient way possible? Um, so they don't have to think about it. So it eases the burden of having gear. Yeah. You watch a skilled carpenter go to work, building a house or doing fine detail work. The tools that they use are almost extensions of their own limbs to accomplish a particular task. They don't even have to think about, I'm now holding the hammer, or this is how I'm sanding, or this is what I'm doing. It's just, there's a task and I'm getting it done and the tools get out of the way and mm -hmm. just allow you to to be creative in that process too. It's just so in terms of thinking about, so the carpenter like grabbing for his hammer or other tools and that it's an extension of themselves. I think too that I really like to think about leashes and the leads as connections between one another, between the human and the animal. Um, sorry, humans are animals too. <laughs> between the animals of different species. Um, sure. So, you know, we can't, we don't have uh, very developed verbal communication between one another, um, but we can use a leash as a way to negotiate how we move through space with those animals. Um, so, for example, uh, just on an individual level, I have a beagle and she loves to stop and sniff. <laughs> so, you know, when I walk with her, it's certainly a negotiation between me walking and moving us forward and her wanting to stop and sniff. And we're kind of at a point where, you know, she'll be sniffing, sniffing, sniffing. And then I move us along and I'm like, hey, we got to get like another block <laughs> before you stop again. <laughs> but, you know, there's like certain ways that she reacts when she's like, no, mom, like I really got to sniff this versus, mm -hmm. you know, I can just kind of move her along with like a little tug or just saying like, let's keep going. Let's go for our walk. Um, so, you know, that sort of push and pull from both sides. And it's not just the human who's sort of got this dog in bondage and pulling and dragging it along. It's uh, just a series of, um, you know, hopefully just like small tugs on one another to sort of like check in and, and speak to each other about how the walk is going and, and where we need to go. It's those tools are helping, helping you bond with the dogs that you're in charge of and mm -hmm. you know talking about this two-way communication this this connection between two energies that are have different might, might have different goals and i love how you said you know negotiation because mm -hmm. it's a constant negotiation of this way that way stop go and, and <laughs> everything in between exactly yeah exactly 2020 saw a, a rapid increase in coated webbing or biothane products 
So talk to us a little bit about about those and and what makes those unique or different than maybe more traditional kind of products and materials. Mm-hmm. Yeah, biothane definitely blew up. I think it was already, you know, of interest to a lot of people, but um I think the fact that it's sort of a non-porous, very easy to clean material really spoke to the needs and concerns of 2020. Um, So I think biothane, and I mean, I would need to double check this, but I think it was was first patented in 1978 in Ohio. And so there is, it is actually a patented product that comes from one sort of area in the United States. There are now certainly a lot of like knockoffs from that, but um, Tiny Horse, Mm. we do buy biothane through an authorized dealer. So we're getting like the best of the best. it's so I'm, when I'm speaking about biothane, I'm going to be talking about biothane proper. Um, okay. It's and I and I'll say this because um, the so the biothane that we use is called Beta Standard, and it's very malleable and it's often talked about as a kind of like vegan leather, and it's yeah, it's so soft and pliable. Whereas I find that a lot of the sort of knockoffs are like quite a bit more stiff, and they don't have the sort of like flounce of sort of the tra- traditional webbing that we're used to. So I really like the like the proper beta standard biothane um, that Tiny Horse uses. Uh, it's certainly much more durable when it comes to like little nicks and scratches and you know little test bites from puppies or dogs who like to chew um it's very brightly colored or it can be brightly colored it holds its color for a long time um it's fantastic in the fact that it doesn't absorb water at all I, you know, Tiny Horse still makes webbing leashes, but we do also do our exact same designs in biothane now. So I personally have switched over to the biothane because it's such a great material for an industry use. I mean, one day walking in the rain with dogs and then having to hang up, you know, webbing leashes in your vehicle overnight or hanging them out to dry or washing them often. Um can be quite a pain uh, versus just the biothane that it's like you just shake it off. And, you know, I was um, working on a biothane long lead and I was testing it on um, my little Abbey in High Park in Toronto. Disgusting day. Like, you know, like again, <laughs> sorry. Oh, um, dis- a totally disgusting day. There was mud everywhere. We've got like little sheets of ice that are melting. So this biothane long lead that was dragging behind my beagles, just filthy. There was probably like poop and pee on it. I don't know. Um, But (laughs) at the end of the walk, I mean, and I didn't touch it the whole time. At the end of the walk, I walked over to a little bridge that had a stream going underneath it. And this thing is 30 feet long. So I just dangled one end off of it and like shook it in the water and then dangled the other end off and boom, it was spotless. <laughs> so, <laughs> and then I got to put that in my backpack um, and walk away. So I think that the sort of easy to manage and clean um, characteristic of biothane is a huge win for people working in the industry. I know there may be some concern about durability, but it sounds like that that's not really so much of an issue. Yeah, I don't think it's much of an issue, though. Um, there is a like a shelf life for it because so biothane is a PVC covered webbing and that PVC on the outside, like any sort of like rubber or plastic can sort of like break down and degrade over time. And I think that, you know, it's probably a good idea not to leave your leashes constantly in full sun in a lot of heat in your car. You know, you know, maybe tuck them under your seat over a weekend if it's going to be really sunny. Um, if you are having, you know, a, a few week break here in northern Canada where it gets really cold, bring them into your house. Don't let them freeze for two weeks 
um, unused. So just kind of like reducing the environmental stressor on it where you can. I don't think it's a huge deal, but I think that over time it could help your gear last longer. One final question about thing, just because there's, I know there's a lot of interest in it. Mm-hmm. Is it? Uh, I, I think what I've seen from it is it t- typically is mostly flat. But does it? Can they make it in different kind of shapes? You know, round or or anything else like that? Ooh, that's such a good question. Um, so biothane mostly is all flat. Um, but it does come in a few rope styles and uh, hmm. we are going to be releasing slip leads in biothane rope coming up soon here. So I'm just working on some prototypes now um, with a dog walker who's been using tiny horse gear uh, since about the beginning of her company. She lives in California. Hmm. And so I'm working with her on some of my prototypes because I don't use slip leads. Um, she does. She knows them very well. So working with her on that design and it will be made with biotin rope. And I guess that leads into my next question here of as a, as a designer of these products, you know, what is your design process like? Hmm. So it's very integrated with the work that I do with my pack So oftentimes while I'm walking dogs or walking into the park, I'm thinking about design ideas. I have a kind of um, mind that's like very spatial. And so I can like move things in my head and piece things together um, with my imagination. So kind of going through that process while I'm actually handling dogs um, is probably about the first part of that. Um, and then I will come home and work on some prototypes. Sometimes I have all the things that I need in my workshop in regards to hardware or webbing or biothane, um, or I might need to make in a call to one of my suppliers for something. And I even have, um, I've had some different things manufactured specifically for my products. So the process of actually like putting together a prototype can be come together as quickly in an afternoon or I have to wait longer for parts. It can be, you know, several weeks or even up to a month sometimes to really put an idea together. Um, For example, I I have an idea right now um, that I'm working on and I had to contact one of my suppliers and said, hey, can I get this? But like this. (laughs) And they said... You know, I'll check in with our manufacturer and I heard back from them. It may, they may be able to like send me a few samples of it, but I might have to buy 500 pieces of it for them to even send it to me. (laughs) So, I mean, it's really, it's like a very involved um, process to get all of the pieces together. So, um, so then there's that aspect of like actually getting the prototype together and then I will try it out on my own pack. Um, for example, um, just before lockdown began, began again here in Toronto, the night before lockdown, I got all, I finished all the prototypes I was working on and brought them with me. dog walking to make sure I had an opportunity to try everything out before I wouldn't be able to see the dogs again for at least a month. So, yeah. So it's, I really use my pack to help me figure out if those tools will work or not. That's stage one. Um, I've come to realize that the way my dogs behave on tiny horse gear and what my pack dynamic is, is so different from every other, you know, pack and walker scenario. So I've um, realized it's very valuable to send out prototypes to other dog walkers. So if I want to test like the strength of something, I know dog walkers in Toronto who've got like really crazy hard pulling packs and I'll be like, can you test this for me? Um hmm. Uh, for example, I, I want to develop a slip lead. So I'm working with someone who does, uses slip leads. And I actually, before I started working with Jesslyn in Napa, she's in Napa Valley, California, I had a dog walker try a f- another version for me on Vancouver Island. And 
she didn't like a lot of things about it, which was so fantastic to get that feedback. And I was so humble about it because I don't use slip leads. <laughs> um, <laughs> so I was really grateful for Ashley's honesty on that. And I look forward to, you know, sending her this other prototype. Um, mm. So, um, you know, testing the prototypes, I do it in my own pack. And I also involve other dog walkers that I have some knowledge of sort of what their dynamics are. And then, um, yeah, after I get feedback, I decide whether or not I want to move forward. I make tweaks and, uh, yeah, the rest is a lot of work on a website and photography and then people see it happen online. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Well, and I'm thinking too of as businesses, um, and people who are running their businesses, we can get started on projects. And so I I kind of get your input on this because you know, you are making a physical object in the world. And so at some point it has to be done, right? Like you have to mm-hmm. declare it done. And in, in, in businesses, sometimes it'd be a little bit more nebulous as far as like, I'm starting a new project to grow or I'm starting a new project to get more clients or something like that. How do you know when the product is done and, and ready to be photographed and, and shipped? Mm-hmm. That's a great question. Um, I think, you know, after a lot of the testing, um, and kind of creating that design within the available materials that I have, I kind of consider it done. Um, nonetheless, you know, my major product, um, the lead all leash that I started the company with, and that was the only product we started with. I didn't have leads or anything. It was just this like 21 inch double ended leash. <laughs> um, yeah. and that's where we started. And, that product went out in the world and it's changed a number of times. And I think hmm. um, I'm, I'm about to change a few more little details on it. And I think it's going to be done. Like it's totally finally ready and done. <laughs> wow. um, yeah. I mean, that's not to say that all of the, the leashes that are out there and being used right now um, aren't um good products. Um, I think with the, because there's always like opportunities for new materials and different kinds of hardware. um, I try to be flexible and upgrade those designs to accommodate and um, try out new materials or new colors. And um, yeah. So the designs go up, but there's always like new factors that come in and come in to play. And I, I like to be quite fluid about that. Yeah. This continual, you know, a little, not necessarily overhauling, but little refinements here and there as new things come available on the materials. You know, I, I feel like you work with a wide range of materials, but what are your favorites to work with? Um, well, I, I would say it's certainly fun to work with the leather. Um, I don't have a ton of leather products, but I do work it straight from like the, the hide. So I kind of get a, um, like a, not a raw hide, but like a a tanned hide. I get by like double shoulders of a cow kind of thing. And, um, I start like right from ground zero on that and it's, really interesting to work with that material because it's a multi-day process, you know, to cut it and imprint my stamp in it. And, um, it's got to dry and then it's either got to be stained and oiled and, um, uh, buffed with my buffing wheel. So there's a lot that goes into it and, uh, what comes out on the other end is certainly feels like, you know, it's a, a piece that's gone through a a journey with like a lot of love and intention and many hours. So I enjoy that, but I mean, all of the materials um, have sort of things that I, I like about them right now. I've been experimenting with like some more heavy duty sewing on the biothane, um, which has been really fun and kind of exciting for me. Um, mostly I'd been riveting the biothane, but now I'm kind of doing a bit more sewing on it. I was a little bit scared to sew it at first, um, hmm. because it's such a different material and my industrial sewing machine is expensive and very precious to me. And, um, it's, it's, 
is not an easy tool to manage. And so um, I feel like I'm at a point that I really know it. And and anytime I introduce a new material, like there's a learning curve with how to sew it. Um, it's like the difference between, you know, trying to sew silk and trying to sew burlap. Like they're two totally different things. You need different stitches and different approaches. So it's the same thing with uh, the different materials I use. I, I love hearing how you approach each of those and you have to, uh, that idea of having to learn the material to, to work it. And if you try and take the same approach to each one, you're not going to get a good outcome, right? <laughs> you're going to have a lot of broken things. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, and just thinking about reflecting on on uh, running running a business too, or or caring for dogs, like when you try and take the same approach to everything, because it maybe it's what you know and you love best, right? You, you're like, well, this is what I'm most comfortable with. So I'm going to do the same thing for each one of these. You're you're going to break things, right? You're going to you're going to stumble across um, issues, and you're going to run into to walls that you've got to try and scale and and go around. And this idea of going, okay, well, let's try a different approach, different a tactic, and being flexible mm-hmm. to that. You know, trying to just you know thinking about the parallels between working with material and working in a business, and 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 applying and being flexible to our approach as business owners, um, especially as times are changing and things are kind of, kind of crazy these days. I don't yeah. know if you know that, but things are a little what? crazy. I didn't notice. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to run into those walls, right? That's the only way that you grow is by uh, making mistakes and deciding to go on to try to recover from that and to, um, manage the errors. And then you can start to predict right? What might not be a good choice and what would be a good choice. And so you start to sort of make fewer errors, but only because you initially made those errors and you know so viscerally what it felt like to make those errors. Um, You know, that's like, no one can really tell you. It's the sort of like embodied learned experience that is most valuable. Absolutely. And, and, to to watch somebody work with materials who has all this experience and go okay well I think I need to do this stitch or I need to do this kind of riveting or this this if someone if you tried to put that into context of like well how did you know to do that with this material it'd be kind of hard right it'd be kind of hard mm-hmm. to sit there and go well well it's because I tried a hundred and thirty different <laughs> ways and none of those worked <laughs> exactly when I was uh, in my early twenties I had a sewing studio where I was born and raised in Saskatoon. And um, so I made like lots of clothes and I started out making a lot of t-shirts and I kind of like made a pattern out of my body or like my friend's body, whoever I was like making this thing for. And I must have made nearly a thousand shirts. By the end of that, I could just free cut out all the pieces (laughs) that I needed Um, because that's where I wanted to go. Like I didn't want to have to like deal with like patterns or like buying, you know, those tissue paper patterns. I wanted to be able to feel those designs and those cuts and those corners. Um, and it becoming sort of like nonverbal or like a flow, a creative flow. Um, yeah. And I think that's certainly lent itself well to my work with tiny horses, just to like approach things in a way that's intuitive, I guess would be the word I wanted to become intuitive about things. It's like, um, right. people can get there with their dogs too, right? In a pack, um, you see a dog doing a certain thing and you think, Oh, that could go bad. Well, just put that dog on a leash because <laughs> it's so much easier than, you know, dealing with like an, for example, maybe like an amped up dog whose hair is raised a little bit, you know, just put that leash on, let it cool down. You have a feeling about it, just act on it, do it. It's, um, you know, trust yourself and uh, build that intuition. That's hard. Trusting yourself, being confident in yourself and your own abilities. And, but it does, you, you, you do have to recognize, like, I have experience in this. I've been dog walking. I've been pet sitting for all of these years. I've been building leashes for all these years. Mm-hmm. When I go to make that first cut, when I go to make that first introduction, when I go to put that dog on the leash for the first time, I, ha- I need to have confidence in my ability to do that and be able to read the dog and know more about the situation than I did, you know, five years ago or right when I started. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, and I think then having that confidence challenge is really important too. I mean, I, I think for me, my biggest challenge to date has with Tiny Horse has been that um, I had chosen a certain clip on the end of the lead all leash 
that um, unbeknownst to me had been coming unclipped from certain brands of dog gear um, because these dog this dog gear had like kind of um, custom hardware that it was just like had this really poor interaction with the clip and um, all the dog harnesses and things that I was using were functioning just fine with it. So I didn't know. And it took like a fair amount of feedback from other dog walkers and for other dog walkers to narrow down, Hey, it's this brand and this brand and this brand um, for me to accept that, Oh my goodness, I have to make a really big change to my product. Um, It was scary and hard and sad and challenging. And, but I mean, ultimately because I make the things I just immediately was able to change that clip to one that was much more compatible. It was just a traditional like thumb clip. Um, and that I think, you know, I'd already been a few years into tiny horse and I was feeling really confident and that really knocked me down. Um, but I am so <laughs> glad and thankful a for that feedback from people, because it's so easy for someone to, you know, have a negative experience with the product and just toss it. Um, I'm thankful that I'm like a little tiny business that people can approach and say, Hey, this happened, you know, how can we figure this out? And I'm really thankful when people take the time to do that. Um, and so, um, so I was thankful for that feedback and, and thankful that, that the change could be made so quickly once the problem was really clear. And, um, yeah, so that, that challenge was important and it's certainly like, it humbled me and it's made me really thoughtful and careful going forward about those choices. And yeah, it just, I think that, um, it's, it probably like shook some people's confidence in tiny horse and I totally get that. And that makes me sad. Um, because my intentions were always to be like a really safe product. Um, but yeah, this, this thing had happened and, um, it's all, yeah, part of that learning and growing experience. And I'm I'm glad to have pushed through that and, uh, just made a change. You mentioned having our confidence challenged and that comes in the form of that fit on the, in that feedback in that criticism that comes our way and and it is it is really important to when you receive that to sit and assess its validity and go okay yes. like is this <laughs> how serious <laughs> is this in the face of what i'm doing in the face of you know a cl- something coming unclipped and and dogs potentially leaving that's pretty you know that's okay that's genuine that's real okay let's let's move forward with that if yeah. it was something like you know oh th- you know it came in blue and i don't like blue it's like well mm-hmm. um order a different you know so, okay fine yeah. or whatever <laughs> whatever but it we have to we, that's a part of that process of going retaking it in assessing its validity and then seeing what we can do about that what what we have control or what we have agency over for that feedback and whether it's even in our control or not mhm yeah that's such a great point i mean you can't just you know take f- every piece of feedback that you get and put your full energy necessarily into responding to it. You have to like filter it out. Um, I mean, the dog walkers love them. They are like an opinionated bunch (laughs) and (laughs) that's both good and bad. Right. I mean, mostly it's good. And sometimes I seek the feedback from the people that I know are like the most difficult um, because, (laughs) you know, if you can please that person that, a lot of other people are going to be pleased with your design or your product. So, um, yeah, you definitely have to sort of manage that feedback, but thank, you can always be thankful that it's coming in, right? Because if you don't have feedback coming in, you certainly don't, you can't, um, orient yourself in how well your business is doing and what people think of your products. It's kind of weird to be sit there and go, okay, well, I'm thankful for this negative feedback, this this criticism coming my way, but but it means people cared enough. Yeah, to... exactly. And people care about dogs, so, right? Yeah. Lots of times <laughs> that's where it comes from. They care about their businesses and then they should. Yeah, I think there's a, well, obviously there's a difference between like negative feedback and critical feedback. <laughs> Good, yeah, good, yeah. Good point. Good I would point. say Again, it's that's almost that. always just critical. I I've been right. very fortunate that people in general have been very kind um, with me, and yeah. uh, you know, the odd time that someone comes to me a little bit upset, I try to understand where they're coming from or what their experience has been, and um, 
you know, we recently had someone who had like some shipping issues. And at first I was thinking, oh, like, you know, this this person is like being really gruff with me. And it was mm-hmm. kind of like made me feel a little bit upset. But then I took some time and heard about like the really difficult time that he was having with his dogs. And he was so desperate to receive the tools mm-hmm. from Tiny Horse. That's what was like urging him and pushing him. And that he had this like hugely stressful experience with uh-huh. his pack. And so once I like sat and like listened to what it was that was like making him so urgent um i felt mm. so much better and we had such a good conversation after that and it was like oh like you know take care and like sending hearts and like it's all good it's gonna be okay soon <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it's interesting it's um you know trying to understand where people are coming from is yeah is pretty important are you still working to rebuild your business after last year would you like to get more pet sitting or dog walking clients this spring Pet Sitters International, the largest educational association for professional pet sitters and dog walkers with a mission to promote pet sitting excellence through education, is offering Connecting with Clients, a free three-day marketing series for pet sitters and dog walkers, April 20th through the 22nd. Visit PetSit.com forward slash PSC to sign up. During this free series, a guest expert, professional pet sitters, and PSI staff will be sharing tips and ideas to help you effectively market your business this spring and beyond. A new training video and worksheet will be shared each day. Plus, there will be opportunities to win prizes. Who doesn't like prizes? This free series is open to both PSI members and non-members, and the marketing information covered will be helpful for pet care professionals at all stages of your pet sitting career, from beginning to industry veteran. Again, visit petsit.com slash PSC before April 20th to sign up. Yet, yet again, it all comes down to communication and it's business so owners, you know, yeah. <laughs> having, to, having to go, okay, like this person is yelling at me, but why are they yelling at me? Or why are they so, why is this so important to them? It's just shipping or it's just, you know, it was just five minutes late or it was just something like this. And, mm-hmm. and to, to really sit and genuinely listen to them and get, try and understand, you know, that phrase, you know, where they're coming from. Because that, if you miss that, you miss the entire conversation. And you could have ended that that exact situation that you ran into. That could have ended really, really poorly. Super important. And um, where people are coming from, it's, it's uh, I think, too, sometimes um, you have a lot of that when you're walking with your pack on leash and you have to sort of communicate or um, deal with just like i call them civilians <laughs> you know the civilians <laughs> who are just walking past and you know some people are really flabbergasted to see you handling six dogs and they want to like talk to you or, and approach you and pet your dogs and um sometimes i can seem pretty cold <laughs> to people mm. and say you know please please don't approach us you know in a really serious yeah. tone um and, and I'm not at all a, like a mean or a rude person, but it's very serious for me when right. people approach my pack and, and, or they like, you know, walk up with their puppy six feet ahead of them, like dragging them by the leash towards my pack. <laughs> That's, you know, where am I coming from? I'm coming from that. I'm trying to keep all these dogs safe and I'm trying to yeah. have like, an, you know, a, a well-managed pack. Um, but yeah. Oh, it's it's a constant it's a, a constant journey to approach other people and animals. Yeah, I I would love it if you could uh, tell us about um, the the products that you currently have available, and if somebody is interested in changing up their systems that they have, you know, what are some some introductory or some uh, recommendations that you would have for them. Okay. Um, so our premier product, the lead all leash, which is our leashes that, um, attach to the dogs and then to the central ring, they come in the two different materials. They, um, come in nylon webbing and they come in biothane. So the design of them is exactly the same. 
the length that they go two to three feet and they adjust two to three feet is exactly the same. Um, it's just the material that's different. And then also the price would be different because the biothane is quite a bit more expensive for me to buy. So that's just reflected in the price. So you have those leash options. Um, you need as many leashes as dogs that you walk at one time. So if you max have four dogs, you'll need the four leashes. And then it comes with a central ring. And then you have to think about what you as the human want to lead with. So all the tools that the humans hold, um, we call leads. So right now I have four leads. Um, I have the transport and the trek lead. They're pretty basic leashes. Um, they're just they just come in webbing and in leather and they have a handle at both ends one end there's a clip that you can um, clip into the ring and on the other handle at the other end there's a like a d ring so if you want to pull out say a puppy and work with it individually you can clip it to that d ring so just with one hand you have your pack on one end and a dog that you need to give more attention to on the other one so if you need to like give them some more correction um, and these, like the opportunity to take a dog out of the pack and work with it individually is very important. So, um, I think one important aspect of the leashes is that you have to integrate the dogs into being on that ring together. It's not like an automatic thing necessarily. You may have dogs that are like, jumping or you might be getting a new puppy which is happening happening a lot right now in the industry um and you need to prepare that dog to be on that central ring so you know it's got to have like social behavior and anti-social behavior would be like you know a puppy who is trying to play while they're on leash um you have to you know socialize them not to do that um so those truck and transport leads have that sort of built-in tool and then I have the leader, which um, is a wearable, so you can like wear it on your waist or across your torso. And there's like a few different rings on there. So if you want to pull a dog off of your ring and work with it individually, you can do that just like built with the leash. So that has the, um, again, you know, take a dog out if you need to, but still like manage it at the same time. Um, and then I have a handler, so which is like a, like a 15 inch traffic lead so there's a short little handle and then it's got a clip on the handle as well as at the end to clip onto the ring the handle the clip on the handle you can um, use that to like clip onto some of our other products like the leader for example um, it's all like modular and uh, you, you can kind of connect the tools in different ways so People who are trying the system for the first time, um, I definitely suggest that you start with one of the shorter leads. So like the handler or the transport lead. I think that these are great leads to start with because they naturally keep the central ring up high, which is really important because then the dogs, when they're like kind of switching positions, go um, underneath the system versus like running into it or walking over it. So important to keep that central ring at that right height. Um, if the leashes get like wrapped around the ring, they can interact with the clips. And normally the clip will just like come off and like connect to the leash that's wrapping on it. But just to avoid that um, altogether, you just keep the ring up at the right place. And then you won't have a problem with that. Um, so the handler and the transport leads, they're really good for training the walker um, to understand where the right position is for um, that ring. And I think that, you know, a lot of people want to start out with something like the leader, the waist lead, because, you know, the idea of like, oh, like hands-free walking from my waist is fantastic, but it's a little bit more of a complex place to start um, in terms of like, you know, keeping the ring at the right place. So I, I think that like a really good package to start with would be the number of leashes that you need for the number of dogs you walk at one time, um, plus uh, like the handler. And if you want to get to the point where you're walking hands-free, you know, throw in the leader. So 
those are basically the tools that I have right now. I'm going to be probably by the time this, this podcast comes out, I will have quite a few more products um, available. So that's going to include um, my lead all leash. I'm going to be making an extra long version. So the lead all leash as it is now is two to three feet, but the extra long version is going to adjust from about three to five feet. And that'll be good for like little dogs who really want to get away from the pack or, you know, older dogs who need a lot of extra space. So I, I kind of imagine that, you know, a dog walker with a diverse group might want like one of those extra long leashes in their pack of leashes just to like kind of give them that space for the dog. And they could even just like attach that just to their hip and that dog may not even need to be on the ring. Right. So they have like, they're just an easygoing dog that just like deserves its own space entirely, but (laughs) you still don't want to have to like hold the leash. Um, and then biothane long leads will be coming out and um, hopefully slip leads will be out by the time this comes on. And yeah, so I'm, I'm in my own like period of rapid growth in terms yeah. of the product line, which has yeah. been a result of all the lockdown, <laughs> all oh. the thinking time and designing. So, well, and again, I love it that it is so modular and if someone's listening and they haven't put that much thought into the system that they're using or that their system could be better. Like it just helps put it into perspective of all the different options that are out there for somebody who's interested in, in getting some pro tools and making their lives just a little bit easier. Mm -hmm. That's the hope. I'd love to, you know, be part of something positive in the world. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And, and, uh, and, and yes, um, if somebody's listening and they go, isn't it her last name lead all? And she has a product named lead all. Uh, Yes. Yes, Yes, you do. And uh, that is an amazing, amazing (laughs) name. And uh, I love that, (laughs) that that product is named that way too. So that's, that's a cool connection. (laughs) Thanks. A dog walker friend of mine, Angelique, she pulled that connection together for me. And I was like, okay, you're right. (laughs) That's the name of it. (laughs) Kind of have to, yeah. Kind of have to. (laughs) Yeah, I think I was going to call like the Octolete or something so stupid. I mean, not, but you know, it's just like something really (laughs) silly like that. So it kind of worked out this way. (laughs) Oh, that's awesome, (laughs) Taylor. This has been this has been a real pleasure. Thank you so much for coming on and sharing about tools, sharing about how they help not just our bodies but help improve the communication to the the dogs that we're walking and the importance of receiving feedback and making that something productive in our lives. Um, If people want to reach out, get connected, get updates on all the products that you've got releasing this year, how can they do that? Uh, They can find me on the web. Tinyhorse.ca is our website. And I'm on Instagram. Uh, I think it's tinyhorse.mercantile is our tag. Um, And I'm on Facebook. I have a Facebook page too. I think it's a backslash tiny horse mercantile, all one word. I have a link tree on my Instagram. So you can like get links to the Facebook and I've got a blog as well that I'm working on and um, sort of like key points on my website, like where to get the leashes and where the leads are. So yay, link tree and an email too. Like I, I, I have a lot of like individual conversations with dog walkers. So just like DM me on Instagram send me an email. I will definitely respond to you. Perfect. And I'll have links to all that in our show notes and on our website. So people can find that without having to search too much. Uh, Taylor, again, thank you so, so much for coming on the show today. Thank you so much. Thanks for having me. It was a pleasure. I had two major takeaways from my conversation with Taylor. The first was that the importance of having good quality professional tools that you know, that you trust, that you control, how much that impacts not just the lessening the stress and strain on our bodies, but also on improving the communication and improving the connection of energies between those two bodies walking down the sidewalk or along a path. That when we have tools that we can trust, that when we have tools that we know the ins and outs of that work with how we walk dogs and fit our systems, the, the mental strain lessens and we are able to enjoy and we are able to be more present and we're able to sense and communicate better with the dogs that are in our charge. The second big takeaway about receiving feedback was that need to run into a wall to grow and to expand our businesses. 
As Taylor explained, when you get comfortable, when you get sure of yourself, sometimes it takes running into a problem you've never encountered before that can take you to that next level, that can start growing and expanding the possibilities that maybe you never even thought of before. I find it fascinating the connection in the design process in creating physical objects alongside running and operating a business in the world and the kind of feedback that we all receive and that process of growing and adapting to things as they change around us. I want to thank our sponsors, Time to Pet and Pet Sitters International for making today's show possible. And I really want to thank you for listening, for joining and sharing and for all of the wonderful feedback that you continue to give. We are so appreciative of you. We hope you have a wonderful rest of the week, and we'll be back again soon.